Blog Talk Radio. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. to another episode of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls' perspective. I am the head hauntress, and I wish we had a little happier open to this show tonight, ladies and gentlemen, but as you know, the horror world was completely rocked a couple days ago when our icon, our, our favorite, one of our favorite directors ever to exist in the horror genre, suddenly passed away at the age of 76. Yes, we're talking about Wes Craven. I'm sure everyone on this listening tonight has some kind of sadness and connection to his work, as we are no exception. So I'm going to introduce my sexy witches and my guest host right at the top here. We're going to have a quick talk about Wes Craven and what he meant to us, and then we will go on to our main subject tonight, which will be Italian horror and the Italian Splatterfest at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So first, let me introduce my sexy witches. My first sexy witch co-host resides in Clifton Forge, Virginia. She is a regular on the East Coast Horror Con circuit and my partner in crime. She is a horror movie fan and a self-proclaimed uh, super fan of Marvel Universe. Please welcome to the show my sexy witch co-host, Erin Marie. How you doing, sweetie? Well, usually it's, uh, you know, some kind of sickness or something, uh, my chronic illness that's got me bummed. Actually, I'm feeling pretty good today, but, of course, with the passing of Wes, there goes my happy mood. Well... 
We're going to talk about that because one thing I've noticed about his passing is that we're all talking about it, and it will help us feel better. But first things first, let's bring in some more on this conversation. My other sexy witch co-host is located in Eugene, Oregon. She's an aspiring filmmaker, published writer. She also writes for Living Dead magazine, and you'll see her at Living Dead HorrorCon in November. She is also a horror film fan, regular participant in live action role plays. She actually did one this weekend. Look for her wolfy attitude and personal writings on her personal blog and YouTube channels. Please welcome to the show my sexy wear witch co host, Queenie Todd. Oh. Hey, hi, Queenie. Yeah. Hi. hi, Queenie. I, I, I know. How are you doing? I know you're not feeling so hot today. A little bit rough. A little bit rough, but you know that's sometimes how it is when you have you know chronic illness, as you know Marie knows. Um, yep. Well, Marie, you know. We're sisters in pain, well, is what we said. Mm, yeah, we we well, share similar pain. As as glad as I am that you're here, if you have to leave, we understand. Uh, you know, your health is most important, and I know you had a rough day of it, but we are glad you're here. And I know that you're going to stay on long enough to talk about Craven with us. So let me bring on. So thank you for that, sweetie. And I'm going to bring on our guest host right now because he's waiting patiently on the line. And um, he's one of my regulars. Uh, Matter of fact, I've been a regular on his shows and and on his pages, and now he's a regular on my pages. It's pretty awesome. Um, He's one of my favorite bloggers on the the web. Um, His he has two major sites. One is Dr. Terror's Wild of Horror and his new website, Horror Sexy, which covers horror exploitation as well as screenings and festivals in the New York and New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Um, look for his 8-Brit trailers from hell, which he has collaborated with with my fellow friends, Frank Browning and Sean O'Connor. Uh, and uh, listen to him on podcasts, including Dead Air, which is the Little Dead podcast, and his own or sexy podcast. Please welcome back to the show my sexy, uh, my sexy male witch correspondent, Doc Terror himself, James Harris. How are you doing? Oh, who that guy? Oh, I don't know. Doc I just Harris? made him up. So oh, I don't know what that means. Like a warlock or something. Welcome to the show, sir, and thank you to have you back, as always. Always happy to have you back. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad to be actually a part of this because I love Wes Craven, and I love Italian Splatterfest. I love it, too, and I will play you a a theme song a little bit later, but right now I think I wanted to concentrate a little bit more seriously on, uh, you know, the morning of Wes Craven, and um, I'm going to start with Queenie, if if you want to, Queenie. Go ahead and talk about what you want to say about Wes Craven first, anything you have on your mind. Well, uh, (laughs) um, when I heard about him dying... It was such a shock for me. I felt like someone had punched me in the gut, and I really didn't know how to feel about it for a very long time. But I did. I did end up having a, a small cry about it because he was one of the top horror icons in my life. Like growing up, I watched you know um, Nightmare on Elm Street and Serpent in the Rainbow, and you know so many of his movies and they just made such an impact on me. I would say that he's one of the influences that makes me want to be a filmmaker. Is there one particular film in particular, is there one film in particular, I'm sorry about that, uh, that you would 
uh, that really is your favorite or stand or you stands out amongst the rest in his in his catalog for you? It probably is Nightmare on Elm Street because of how creative that was and how it played on nightmares and dreams. And, you know, you're so vulnerable in your sleep. And that vulnerability is shown throughout the film when these characters are trying to deal with the Freddy Krueger coming through in his dreams, you know, in their dreams. And it's just, it's amazing. Really touches a personal root fear that we all can share. Uh, I definitely, uh, Freddy, Freddy Krueger was my first slasher that really kind of, you know, fill in that really opened me up to the, the whole subgenre of slasher. Yeah. Uh, and I, I went back into the catalog, but that's actually not my first Wes Craven movie. My first Wes Craven movie was Swamp Thing, uh, and that was Adrian Barbeau in 1982, which is a kind of a wow. superhero-y comic <laughs> book movie. And it's actually to this day even still my personal favorite of his collection because it's just so out there compared to the rest of it. Matter of fact, when I posted that it was my favorite, I kept getting people back saying, you know what? Uh, I didn't even know it was one of his movies. And, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, it, it does look more like a carpenter. I guess having Adrian Barbeau throws people off. But, um, but it's got everything you'd want. It's got beautiful swamps and it's got, like, cross, you know, killer creature design with big fucking swords and airboat, airboat uh, fights on the, on the bayou. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And I always love that movie. And, and, I, and then has. I saw... You know, oh yes, it does have David Hess in it too, Mr. David Hess. And 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 um, I want to talk a little bit more about Last House and the Left in a minute because that'll lead us into our our Italian horror talk. But because uh, I really want to talk about that film last, if, just make sure we do talk about it. But um, uh, what about you, James? How do you, what do you think of? I know that you probably you already had a show. I listened to it on West Craven two nights ago. But would, what would you like to say that maybe you didn't say on that show, or what you would like to write, reiterate from that? You know, I got into Nightmare on Elm Street not from the original, but from Part Two. So when I saw it, it was a very different Fred Krueger, and the original. Yeah, I, I learned that it was kind of a fun movie in part two, right? And then I saw the original, and it was very scary. And I think, going back, Swamp Thing was my first one as well. And, in fact, I remember going to the uh, the store with my grandmother, and she made me, like, she let me buy the novelization of the movie, though it was out some years before. And it was kind of a weird way to expose myself to it. But I also did not realize for a very long time that Swamp Thing was a Craven movie. And it also felt like a Carpenter movie because of Barbeau that, you know, when you've got the David Hess connection, then suddenly, you know, it kind of opens up a little bit. Then you suddenly realize, oh, yeah, this is a Craven movie. And it deals with, you know, sociopolitical issues just as most of his movies did. I mean, he's a philosophy major. He was a right, you know, he majored in writing in school. Um He's a pretty interesting character. Bird watcher, avid birder. That's pretty unique for a man who is, uh, you know, likes to deliver the fun nightmares. Uh, I would like to actually say that's not completely true because as a horror geek, I am also an avid birder, as Aaron Marie can contest to. So yeah. it runs in horror families. So us horror geeks like See, there's right. something there. He was on to something, you know? Like he, yeah, he tapped totally. into that. <laughs> Since she has this beautiful creek in her backyard, we get to look at it, and she educates me on birds when I go to her house. 
Oh, it's lazy birding, too. I can just go, up. Oh, there's a heron. up. Oh, there's a crane. Not that I'm complaining. Don't get me wrong. I never complain yeah. about that ever. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, not my, by the way, that's not my favorite. My, my, my real favorite is, is Last House, though, I think. <laughs> I think really when I go through it, it's it's Last House on the left because it's got one of the best scores, and, you know, I think it's creepy and dirty and – I want to come back to Last House on the Left in a moment because I I actually think when you look at his whole range of films that that film is actually the one that is going to be the the film they teach in classes in 20 and 30 years. You mean Um, not the porn uh, that he was directing? Well, we'll talk about that too. But I wanted speaking of porn, let's go to Aaron Marie. Uh, Aaron Marie. What do you want to yes, say about Because I, I am definitely simultaneously linked to porn. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm sorry. you got to laugh during no, sadness, you know. No, it's totally um, me. It, it really is. That, that's sad truth. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me think of the Darth Vader thing that you said about the sleep apnea machine. And I just want to die laughing all over again. Anyway. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Yes, we will talk about that later. Right now, we're actually trying to. I'm glad we're laughing, but we're actually trying a serious topic here, man. The passing of a legend, man. I'm always (laughs) no apologize. No apologize. I think you would appreciate us laughing. Come on. Oh, absolutely. And, and and porn, as you know, is actually an appropriate thing. So let me actually go ahead and say why. And then, Aaron, go ahead and talk about Craven. Okay, supposedly, and James bounces this up, and I've looked it up too, and there's supposedly a buttload of porn films directed by Russ Craven over a <laughs> 10 or 20-year time period. Yeah, buttload. Really? Oh, I said buttload. Oh. And they're all had a No, just no. But nobody knows. Their, I mean, somebody knows. Somebody has to know who, what movies he's done. But so far, no, no fan has ever been able to. Um, like, I was on Cash Wampon's show, Horror 101, Educating Your Fears, last night. Thank you guys for letting me be on the show, by the way. Uh, and we were looking it up, and there is one alias on his IMDb page that has no links to it. And if you're looking at it, it, it looks like a porn name. So maybe that's one of them. And somebody found it and just kind of quietly put it on his IMDb page. Um, but <laughs> we gotta, I think it's up as, as fans of horror, as fans of Craven, as fans of film in general. It is up to us. No, it is oblig- an obligation. It's an obligation. To films out and find them. And that's what Spoken we have like to do. Spoken like a true archivist. You know, I am an archivist. Yes, we are going to find these movies and we are going to figure out what they are because you know what? I bet you some of them are really mm-hmm. well shot. <laughs> I bet crazy. you they're beautiful. You have a good eye. Anyway, I do want to say. That's pretty well shot. <laughs> Go I, ahead, Eric. I mean, I, I, he's done uncredited work though. on Deep Throat at the very least. Well, we know well, that's why that he did. Yeah, the the documentary he he worked on that documentary, did he not? He's on the documentary. Yep. Yeah, he yeah. Is. That, that, that's yeah, kind of how is. it starts to break is is via that documentary. People start to kind of ask more questions when he discusses. Why why is it on there? <laughs> yeah, because he knows a lot of fucking, a lot of fucking. Let's just say a lot about fucking. Oh my god! So he was. 
you know, but then again, Herschel Gordon Lewis did too. So, you know, it's not like this is like, you know, any big surprise that he was doing exploitation and horror. Uh, you know, they especially when he started hand. with something like Last House on the Left. Right. Oh, well, yeah, I left them. So, so what is, before we get into Last House on the Left, uh, Aaron Marie, go ahead and talk about Craven. We haven't given okay, you your, well, the, the soapbox is yours. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, the two Craven movies that not necessarily I like the best, but that I want to shed light on because everybody else is going, oh, Scream, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, is Last, uh, not Last House. Um, the Hills Have Eyes, which I adore. Everything about that movie, when I saw it from the video nasties, was just phenomenal to me. From the story, to the fight to survival, to the filmmaking, to the loyalty of the dogs, everything about it just meshed so well, and I adored it. Um, and I think as horror fans, the older we get, the more jaded we get. So we don't seem to accept older directors work quite as well as we should. And there was one he made in 2010, which was called My Soul to Take. And I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. It was definitely a Craven movie. Um, You could tell that from the get-go, and I very much enjoyed that. I I didn't think it sucked or anything. Uh, I I thought it was very, very straightforward slasher movie. And, you know, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. Uh, The other film you said, oh, I'm sorry, I blanked on it. What was the other, the first film? Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes, yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, Hills Has Eyes, the reason why that film rocks it, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the thing that I admire the most is there's not a single punch pulled in that film. They let it all Mm -hmm. out for you to see. And, I I mean, I think it's even brutal for the time period it came out in. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. It's so good. It holds up. But, you know, I didn't see it until after I saw Weird Science. Uh, so I had no idea what that segment was about in Weird Science where they crash through the party and take over and kidnap the girls. And I'm like, what the hell is this about? And then I finally saw Hills Has Eyes. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, it's a really fucking tight film. And, I, you know, I, and there's a sequel, too. It's pretty good. So, uh, And he did that as well. I didn't like the uh, sequel, but I did like the first one, Hills Has Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know. It, I, I was very forgiving of the sequel. <laughs> so, um, Many do not so, like it because of some of the recaps, I think, the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, that's really it. It's true. Um, so I would do want to talk about uh, Last House on the Left. And uh, Last House on the Left, uh, you know, I, I only saw it a couple of years back. Actually, believe it or not, I saw it on 9-11 which was a really surreal day for me because I was living in New Jersey at the time and my husband was somewhere in fucking Manhattan and I wasn't sure where he was. I knew he was safe and I knew he was alive. I just didn't know where he was. So it was a very surreal day. So I put this movie in. I bought it at, like blindly at the, at the Best Buy because I just saw Wes Craven. I was like, oh, yeah, I have never actually seen this. And I pulled it and I sat down and I watched it. And this is what amazed me. I have never had the biggest belly laugh in my entire life in a horror film until I saw that movie. Because not that it's a funny movie. It's not a funny movie. 
but there's a funny moment that's so out of place, so over the top, so needed that I knew instantly that this film was a genius. And then I put on the trailer and the trailer was even better than the movie. And I was like, holy crap, what am I seeing? And, and, and I, I didn't even know that it was like, like, anyway, James, take up for me about David Hess, because I can't even explain how much this guy changed my life when I watched this film. So. Yeah. Yeah. So David Hess is a, yeah. Kind of, it's it's funny because in many respects, you know, you look for the shop movie that uh, that everyone wants to talk about, and of course, you know, there's modern movies that are like, oh, the most shocking movie, it's Martyrs, it's it's the Serbian film, and a lot of people go back to the, you know, I spit in your grave, and last test and left, they kind of bundle those two together, and the reason I think they do that is because of David Hess's performance as just a mean dude, and he feels real at times, sometimes funny, of course, but uh, I think he feels like a very mean, real person, and of course, anyone who's ever met him, not me included, because I did not get to meet him, but everyone says he's the nicest guy, beautiful musician, who did the music for the movie, and the, mu- really? the music makes a movie, yes, the it's a mm-hmm. lot of it's very iconic. The theme song in general has been used in other horror movies, um, most notably Cabin in the Woods, I'm sorry, um, Cabin Fever, uh, directed by Eli Roth, and it was a cover version of it. And he directed the rest of that. I mean, he would go on to do other things, including, you know, Swamp Thing, but his definitive role, the role that people really know Hess for, is Last House on the Left because he's so mean. And, of course, he's such, it, just, it, a, just a, the opposite. You're talking about the guy who's also in, um, what is it, House by the Park? Right? Yes, yes. That's he's also yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that. yeah, that's a good movie. And that is and a great was, performance by him, too. Well, David mm-hmm. Hess was pretty consistent in all of the things he did. Uh, and, but I, Last Time on the Left was almost a collaborative effort between him and Craven in many ways. And But he was so convincing in that role that David Hess would say that he'd walk down New York just like nonchalantly. People would recognize him, freak out, and in the middle of rush hour traffic, cross the entire street to the other side and walk around him. And it kept happening multiple times. And uh, so he, 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 like, that movie left a stamp on people's psyche that still people haven't quite shaken to this day. And what's even amazing about it to me is how simple the film is. There's really not much to it. Mm-hmm. It feels like a documentary almost, you know. But at yeah, the same time, does. you can see everything that Craven's going to become in that film, all the elements, the pacing, the editing. And that's the other thing I like to mention about Craven is all his films are excellent when it comes to their editing. And I think that's why his films are so good. They are tight edits, especially People Under the Stairs, which nobody's talking about right now. Oh, yeah. I think that's been awesome. It's like one of her favorite movies. It is one of the fastest, tightest edits. And it is an action-packed movie from beginning to end. I watch people under the stairs. Yeah. I'm always on the edge of my seat. It does not let up. And I really think it's a brilliant movie. So, it has it such interesting characters, um, people under the stairs. It, it reminded me of Spider Baby, but on steroids. That's really what I describe it as. You know, yeah. you know, it, it, it really yeah. is. And there's some really great character actors. Oh, I, I didn't mean I should have had it up. Oh. But the guy who plays the Wolf and Silver Bullet, which is one of my favorite films, is also in Cabin uh, in People Under the Stairs. And so, uh, so the cast oh, is also Sean Alan. Alan. It, it, 
casting in general in Craven films is always really solid. And I always wondered, and, and, and you guys can conjecture too, what do you think that David Warner's, if, if, if Wes Craven had actually directed David Warner as Freddy Krueger, what do you think that would have been? Would it have been the iconic film that we know today, or would it have just been another slasher that would have gone the wayside? I think it Anybody was a combination of. I think it was a combination of Craven and England together that just happened to be matching. Yeah. Robert England really does anybody. Go ahead, Queenie. You know, uh, Warner's energy is a lot slower. Remake, uh, they tried to remake Nightmare on Elm Street, and it just wasn't the same because it wasn't Robert well, England. Well, not just that. Like, I mean, they just was great and everything, but they the weren't really creep fest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but. Th- but we're, that's the, yeah, we're seeing that after the fact. Now we got uh, James. Go ahead and chime in. But like David Warner is a, was a, at the time he was at the height of his game. He did one of my favorite horror films, where he plays Jack the Ripper, uh, time after time. It's actually a science fiction movie, but it's really fucking good. It's got Malcolm McDowell, Mary Steenburgen. I made made James watch it for a madness one year. He found yeah, it. It was my yeah, twenty point I, I film. I do not share the same love. I do not share the same love Aww. that you do for that film. Well, I still love that film, so I'm a geek. So, uh, come on, his pretty blue eyes. You don't love Malcolm McDowell's pretty blue eyes in that movie? Oh, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's beautiful blue eyes, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my God. uh, That was the one thing that struck me in Caligulus, which, of course, brings me back to porn. (laughs) Oh, it all goes back to porn. But anyway, uh, (laughs) James, do you want to add? Add something about Wes Craven. I know you've been trying to say something for a few minutes here. Uh, no, just about the David Warner conversation was that, you know, you get him in there, and he's kind of a slow, methodical actor. And I think that mm-hmm. his energy is completely different than the, the high-speed uh, kind of chaos that, you know, we got from England, the kind of hyperactive I, energy. I, I, I would and, agree with that. It would have been much more of a slow burn, possibly. So. Yep, yep. Yeah. When when they, did, the uh, when they did when they did New Nightmare, I thought I thought he brought a new element of terror to it when they did New Nightmare together as well. Yeah, that Nightmare, was excellent. Underrated. New Nightmare. I, I actually thought recently. You know, I, I that was a, you know that was right before Scream, and a lot of people missed it, and I thought it was actually pretty good. And, but it really, that's, once again, he's, he, with that film, even more so than Scream, he actually started a new style, subgenre again. And with Scream, he would solidify it. But a lot of Scream's brilliance also has to do with the amazing script, uh, which people have been crediting to Craven. And I'm like, no, it's not his, but he did direct it. Kevin uh, Williamson. You know, yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it, but that was mainstream reporting. None of the horror geeks I know got that wrong. Um, so, uh, but... I, I just want to say, Wes Craven, we, we're going to love and miss you, and if you can hear radio waves, which some people say ghosts do, please, please thank you for all the beautiful movies and nightmares and bad dreams that you've given us over the years, because we forever are going to have this great body of work that's going to be taught in schools, and I can't wait to be the teacher to teach these students these movies. So thank you so much, and we're going to take a quick break. Sexy Witches and James, and then we're going to go ahead and start our next uh, segment in just a moment. So please stay by. Thank you so much, ladies, and rest in peace once again to our late great Wes Craven. So. 
There's a good sound. There it is. It rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell. motion picture to offer to the daring a look into the final maddening space between life and death. The last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. Sights and sounds far beyond anything you've tested. The last house on the left. Avoid fainting. Keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. conversation of course they are very well versed in this stuff and in a few minutes quilt face studios chris garofalo will call in and join the conversation to talk about italian Splatterfest fest 4 at the phoenixville intercolonial theater so sit back guys and have some spaghetti and put on your black gloves because we are going to have a good time all right and somebody's breathing very heavy. And I know we're, like, having porn things going on, ladies. But, you know, uh, br- heavy breathing on the radio isn't really that good. <laughs> you know, it's like it's Black Christmas, you know, where we're getting out of scene phone calls. Oh, I love Black Christmas. Uh, I guess so. That's true. That's in my top uh, five. That's, it's not, that's not Italian, yeah. though. No, but it no. has John Saxon. So does Nightmare on the Elm Street, which brings me to Tenebre. Which is what Wait, you just played. Uh-huh. That's oh, just right. my favorite oh. Argento. Yeah, well, I, I want to say it's never John Saxon. You always have to say John motherfucking Saxon. All right? John First motherfucking Saxon. John, no, that's Samuel M. That's right. Samuel motherfucking yeah. Saxon. <laughs> it's John motherfucking Saxon. Yeah. He's, one of the, uh, he's one of my favorite character actors of all time. And, yes, he's in all three of those films. And, uh Tenere is not on the menu uh, for Platterfest this weekend, but I am a huge Goblin fan, and there is one film on the list that does have a Goblin score. However, it's not a Goblin score that was, like, sanctioned or paid for. 
And it's the reason I'm going, James, to Splatterfest this year, because I haven't seen it yet. And it, it's one of the video nasties, and it's Hell of the Living Dead by Bruno Matai. Could you please give us a little bit of a preview of this crazy-ass zombie film? I, I've been wanting to say for years. Oh, my God. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Hell of the Living Dead is a Bruno Matai film. And Bruno Matai is like the schlockmeister general of Italian horror. He creates things that are so horribly exploitive of the genre and other genres and the movies that have come before it that are supposed to be good and really even takes, you know, how you would say that Lucio Fulci took, you know, a movie like Zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Well, he really, you know, kind of cannibalizes from even within uh, his own, you know, the, the Italian directors, I think, and just kind of almost to the point of parody at times. Um, you know, Hell of the Living Dead focuses about, you know, a chemical plant accident, and it unleashes the virus that essentially brings forth the living dead. And I believe the alternate title is Virus. I think I've seen it under that. Um, but if you've seen any Bruno Matai films other than Hell of the Living Dead, especially his work toward the 90s and 2000s where he was still making movies, Oh, it's it's very difficult to sit through a few of them. But I mean, yeah, it's a good choice. This this one's got a comedic value to it that will sit very well with the audience. I take that as a challenge, <laughs> Some of them are <laughs> what, just... What, what, if I can handle what, what, Serbian film, I can handle anything he can throw at me. Oh, well, this isn't even that close. Bruno Matai, to me, is like other people's Spanish love for Jess Franco. I absolutely adore him, no matter how bad his films are. So uh, I'm totally looking forward to it. And I'm going to bring on our guest. So let me put on some theme music. I actually already played Tenebre, so let's play a different part of Tenebre, because he asked for that as a theme song, and I said, okay. So let's have a, one of my favorite pieces from uh, oh, Tenebre. Good. There we go. More cowbell, motherfuckers. All right. Oh, you make me wish I had one. Oh, there we go. I actually have an app on my phone that actually makes a cowbell noise. So, yeah, I do have more cowbells. So, so let me introduce my special guest. Tonight, um, well, we're welcoming back the senior artists for Quilt Face Studios and the go-to artists for special edition work for the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Please welcome back to the show, Chris Garofalo. Welcome back to the hey, Sexy Witches, my dear. How you doing? Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for... Fine. Thank you for coming on tonight. And we were just talking about Hell of the Living Dead. And like how how schlocky Bruno Matai is, but we were also talking about how he ripped the score off from Goblin, including a couple pieces from Tenebra, I believe. And um, and I was wondering if you knew anything about that or would like to add to it. Well, I mean, I think depending on anything in the genre, there, I think everyone has ripped something from Goblin at some point. I mean, it's little <laughs> little pieces of it. Like they're kind of a band that's like you're going to end up ripping something whether it's intentional or not because they're just that influential. I mean, even the bands that opened for them the two times I saw them last year obviously were influenced by Goblin. And sometimes I haven't thought of listening to like three Goblin before they were hitting the stage. So I, I can kind of understand it, but it's almost impossible not to be influenced musically by them when you're, when you're dealing with that kind of genre. 
talking about Argento here, and you mentioned this is your favorite Argento. It also happens to be my favorite Argento is Tenebre. Yes. But but problem is, it's like, I'm a jaded Italian horror fan. James and I have butted heads on this a few times, and we'll probably butt on that well, forever on this. I am not a fan of Suspiria. I actually think it's one. No, I think there's I an article Suspiria. on James's website about how much I don't like Suspiria. And, and I always feel it's like a great sex uh, session that just leads to nothing. I mean, it's just, oh, but, uh, well, you know, but there's more. James, Go ahead. James was actually my um, judge the year that we did the nasties, and I watched most of my Italian horror. And he knows what a problem I had with it. So he kept trying to, like, suggest other ones. He's like, well, try this and this. And I'm like, nope, they still suck. <laughs> 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 but I, I like for like with Fulci, um I didn't oh god, they have blood I fell asleep three times trying to watch. It was but terrible. That's actually too. Mario Baba. That's Mario Baba. That's not Fulci. Yeah, no. yeah. Um I'm getting it mixed up. Hold on. But there was another one, uh it was oh, House by the Cemetery. That I know uh-huh. I fell asleep through twice. But I did love Zombie. Zombie two that one was really good because that one was beautifully shot with the, oh, the water that's shark. That's oh, my number shark. three favorite horror <laughs> film of all time is Zombie. But, uh, but uh, it still happens in House by the... Uh, all of it. Uh, House by the Cemetery yeah, can... and they have better both playing at Splatterfest, just so you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know they're playing Demons too, and I would love to yeah, see that. That's right. but I'm not sure Demon I can Demon. sit through the other ones. <laughs> I just saw Demons 2 projected at the Exhume 24-hour horathon, and that is my most still, even though I want to see all the rest and have not seen anything except for House by the Cemetery projected, that is the one I'm looking forward to the most because it's the most fun because it has Bobby Rhodes in it. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually, because most of the horror that I had seen, most of the Italian that I had seen was older. Um, I did like Inferno from Argento. And Phenomenon was okay. It just tried to do too much in it, I think. And it, it just was a mess, even though it was still entertaining. But um, Depends on which cut you see of Phenomenon, too. There's, there's, the, there's two different cuts. There's the shorter U.S. version, which is actually very concise and almost two, two to the point. And then there's the Italian one, which is like two hours long and goes on forever. So I'm almost wondering yeah, which one you saw. One. Like, yeah. I saw the Italian. <laughs> that's, that may be the harder, believe- one, the harder one to sit through. It, it was, but, uh, um, Chris, it was the shorter cut at Splatterfest last year for Phenomena, right? It was the American right, cut. Shorter cut, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I was like, wow, did they leave a lot out. <laughs> I did <laughs> like it. They just tried to I do wanted, too much. I wanted the longer one. I love that movie. I wanted the longer one really bad because it's a mood film for me. I wanted the longer one so bad. And that's like one where people are like, it, oh, that drags on forever, and I'm just completely content that it goes on forever. Best music. I uh, love that yeah, soundtrack. Yeah. The, the music is, is exactly what's making me want the extra time because I'm not ready to get... Uh, I mean, any soundtrack favorite, you fall into. There's a scene in the movie where Jennifer Connelly goes 
there's these like flies are outside the door and she goes i love you i love you all and in the american cut it almost looks like she's talking to the really befuddled girls that are staring at all these bugs but in the longer cut it's clearly she's talking to the bugs themselves and i always thought that that little teeny slight cut change really changed the tone of the movie a bit uh so but uh you know both cuts have a lot going for them i mean i wouldn't say don't see either one because i actually like that movie for a long time it was actually my favorite argento until i saw tenebre so uh uh yeah tenebre had me by the opening credits uh when when goblin started playing i was like yep gonna like this one yeah yeah so um Oh, speaking of Bay of Blood, they're actually opening with one of the most classic horror films to ever exist, and it's a sexy witch movie, so even more exciting. Uh, they're opening with Mario Bava's Black Sunday, which is a beautiful black and white movie starring Barbara Steele. And um, it almost is, it doesn't belong in Italian horror in the sense that that film is often clumped with the Universal, the Hammer movies, because it's really that kind of a tone, but... It is really a Baba film, and it's really one of the best of its of its era. I don't know as much about the film as I should, because like I said, I've actually been only discovering Mario Baba's work in the last couple of uh, years, uh, and uh, been seeing a lot of really weird ones, too. Uh, I much prefer like, Lamberto. Well, Demons is a lot he- of fun. I mean, that movie is just amazing. Uh, but... Uh, where was that? Bay of Blood is also a Mario Bava film, and I, I and I actually like defend that movie because it does have. You're right, Raymond Murray has a lot of friggin' downtime, but I like. I think the opening half hour and the last 15 minutes of that movie are pretty fucking good. And if you cut the middle out, you actually have a smart little <laughs> slasher movie. <laughs> Just that little 45 minutes there. Yeah, forty-five minutes, solid, short, faster film, and it would be awesome. Well, I mean, but if you don't want to do. watch, if you don't want to see the Bay of Blood, you just watch uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Oh, dude! Exactly, exactly. It rips off even to the shot, <laughs> you know. So, uh, well, um, and Part One, though, you know, both of them have uh, their own elements that they've drawn from it. Yeah, well, but most then of, again, it's, go ahead. I was just going to say, most of the ones I've seen um, were older, and, and Liz actually gave me some homework. So I ended up watching Demons and Cemetery Man. Ooh. And those I loved. I think she was. a beautiful movie. loved those. In fact, that's a very meta, you know, very meta horror flick. Uh, well, uh, Morte Della Morte is very, is very meta. It's a very self-aware movie, actually. I always yes, thought that, uh, but it was yeah. so confusing. And Rupert Everett actually gives like a really good performance. Just this deadpan humor that's so matter of fact about all of these dead people. And I mean, there were certain aspects of it I did not understand in it at all. <laughs> but it was still entertaining as hell. And it had great performances. And it was beautiful. Uh, one of the yeah, big things about Demon... Actually lately. Yeah, that movie's starting to pick up a lot of love. Even in the art community, a few pretty well-known artists and friends of mine just did prints for uh, Cemetery Man for commissions, but they are just unbelievable. People are like, I've never heard of this. This art is fantastic. I want to watch this movie. And I'm like, good, you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. I'm glad that Cemetery Man is to get people interested in it. It was very cool. 
Yeah. I'm I think it's very romantic it. and has also one of my favorite uh, sets of breasts in a movie. Just so <laughs> oh, my God. They were beautiful, <laughs> symmetrical, and round. I will admit that. They were gorgeous, too. And in the cemeteries, to boot. <laughs> and when she, like, like leans up on and... top of them, when she leaned up on top of him, like, uh, riding him, and those angel wings were behind her, it was just a gorgeous shot. Yep. Yep. What is the guy's name who directs? I always get his last name, but he's actually in Demons as an actor, if I remember right, the director of Cemetery Man. Uh, he plays the, the character with the mask face. He's like Michelle, and I always mess up his name, last name. S-O-A-V-I is his last name. I, I, I always think Suave uh, because I think of Rico Suave, and it's just funny. I don't yeah. think that's actually <laughs> Because I use him as a trivia question a lot because those two films are kind of connected that way. Uh, you know, and Demons is not playing at Splatterfest, so I believe it has. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, they did, but, yeah. they did that at Exhumed, too, because Demons is just such a go-to. Like, I don't know anybody who's ever bummed on watching Demons more than once. I mean, I, they could play it at every fest, and I would be so into it. Does anybody else, when they watch... At, uh, I, a double feature with 99 Bronx Warriors, and that was in uh, Metuchen, New Jersey. It was great, and that that, uh, that showing doesn't happen anymore. That was that was perfect. Ah, yeah, uh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> so, Ken, Chris, can you tell me about Demons too? Because I have actually never seen it, so I'm actually it's my second reason. I have not seen three of the films on the list. I haven't seen Demons too, and I haven't seen Hell of Living Dead, and I haven't seen the last Fulci movie in the in the Gates of Hell trilogy, which is the house on by the cemetery. Uh, so, what is I, I, everyone tells me when I go? Oh, I can't ever seen Demons too. They go, it's not as good as the first one, but you like it anyways. What are they telling I mean, like you it, it kind of depends on your outlook of, like, what you go in expecting. I mean, as far as, like, I go into sequels with how entertaining are they, how fun are they. I don't go in ever thinking a sequel is going to be as good of a movie as the first because it's very rare. Like, it almost can't be unless they really tell a story that's as on point as the first one. So, like, Demons 2, for me, feels like, I mean, it's kind of going to be, to be able to explain it the best way I can uh, as a parallel. Demons 2 for me is like Chainsaw 2 for me. Like, I'm thoroughly just entertained by it, and it's, like, completely fun. But it's nowhere near, like, I mean, cinematically is on point of a film as the first Demons, but it's such a good time, and it's exactly what you want in a sequel to that film. Like, you want pretty much exactly what you like. What you get in Demons 2 is exactly what you'd be looking for at that point. You don't feel like they're trying too hard, or they're overcompensating or, or overtelling a story. You get some pretty damn good effects, too. I mean, like, some of the... That was a, I kind of was ahead of its time in some of the effects. I mean, like, with the whole, like, static and the TVs. It was crazy. Like, I mean, I couldn't even believe they were able to pull that off. And that would be a total CGI mess. And it wouldn't even, like, look... It would look like the Pulse remake, and it would be terrible. But, I mean, like, I think it's one of those movies where you just have to go in, and if you expect that you're going to have fun with it, you're going to love it. But um, that's my best way to actually approach Demons 2, because that's how I did it. I ended up loving it for that reason. I bought the Steelbook with Demons 1 from Synapse last year, and it's just a gorgeous setup. And it's one I'm like, oh, I'll watch them back to back just because they're so much fun. It's pretty. I like to see that. I've actually not seen that one yet. Uh, one of the things I like about the Demons franchise, and this just cracks me up, because, you know, there's lots of different types of scare and violence and slashers, and, you know, there's a lot of stabbing, but 
Not in demons. Demons actually, the most of the violence is scratching. Like they're scratching people apart. They're not eating their brain. They're just ripping them to shreds. And I actually think it's a rather terrifying way to go. And it's really effective because can you imagine you're not dying like slow death. I mean, you're dying a slow death, but extremely painful while these people are ripping you apart. And then you become a demon yourself and rip somebody else apart in a matter of seconds. Uh, or if you get scratched, you have yeah. that weird boil that grows and like pusses yeah. up. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it just cool feels like it's more about the transformation ever. horror. Like it's more about the transformation horror than it is about like like a body horror. Almost. Yeah, it's very it, body it, horror. It, it is a body horror film. I would completely say it's a body horror film. And I, you know, absolutely, because the body, it's, you know, zombieism, you just die and you come back. And uh. But here, you actually go through this metaphysical change that you know you're happen- it's happening to you, and then eventually it doesn't matter anymore, and you're just awful thing. Uh, so, uh, and, and you know what? They're also... You don't have to think about it either. These films are not heavy. They just kind of go, here, here's some demons. Go at it. Have fun. And I, I appreciate yeah, that, too, when it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what else, uh, is there anything uh, else, Queenie, because you've been kind of quiet on the Italian horror thing that you would like? Like, do you have a film that you would like to talk about uh, oh. that we haven't we talked about yet? We kind of covered a lot of the films that I would talk about, you know? Like, I love the Demons franchise, and I love Cemetery Man. That's, like, one of my faves. Um, uh, I love Zombie, you know, because of the <laughs> zombie shark scene. But, the, you know, the whole movie's great. But that scene, just when you say that, people it's get incredible. it. If they've seen the movie. Yeah, it's so incredible. It's so outrageous. You're just like, they did it. They have a zombie fighting a shark. Holy shit. <laughs> Poor, and it doesn't look all CGI crazy. It's like literally no, a guy <laughs> fighting a shark. And then when like you read... Funny... Go ahead. A shark, I'm sorry. Shark on quaaludes. That's what I was going to say. Because it's totally a drug <laughs> shark. Oh, yeah. yeah like, I mean, I, dude, I can't believe that they had the nerve to even say a shark trainer. How do you train a fucking shark? I mean, like when you read the story of how it happened... <laughs> It was like they had a shark guy and he was sick or something, so they had the shark trainer like fight it. I'm like, what? Shark drug dealer in there. It had to be shark tranquilizer, not trainer. I think that thing was so. Yeah, there we go. I'm like, this shark is not even trying to fight back. What the hell is this? They had him so doped funny. up to the gills, poor thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> and you can tell because he's just like he's just he like to say oh. gills. Huh? <laughs> Gil, he yeah, almost looks like he's just giving well. up on life. I'm like, he's not just choked up. He is just has a broken spirit. He's just, I just checked out. That shark is not even invested oh. in trying to defend himself. <laughs> Supposedly the shark was okay after four hours, but it did take four hours oh. for the drugs to wear off. They got several oh tanks, God. apparently. So, yeah. poor things. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you want to add anything to zombie versus shark or anything else fuck you want to talk about? Yeah, Zombie vs. Shark is one of my favorite animated sequences uh, that we did for the um, the Eight Bits from Hell that we were doing. It was our first game with Zombie, and we tr- and we didn't get to really animate it like I wanted to, but you know, in retrospect, it's kind of the easiest thing to do. You go grab a shark from the video game Jaws, and you just kind of have it fight, you know, a zombie that you you can kind of create. But uh, I have a T-shirt from Fright Rags, and yeah, that's the one I want. 
Oh, I saw that. Features a beautiful artwork of John Zornow, who is one of my favorite, if not my favorite comic book uh, artists, and and one of my favorite artists in general, but I love his his stuff. His covers are just insane. And that is one of my favorite T-shirts. It's the one that gets the most comments on. My daughters know what Zombie vs. Shark is. So that's good because of that shirt. I mean, that that shirt also gets a little bit of rec- you know recognition because it was featured in uh, what This Is the End. Yeah, that yeah. Movie, that comedy. So like, they did the reissue with that with the baseball too. It was very cool. I was able to pick it up and yeah, I I, I love that. It's a great movie. It's a great score. It's got Tisa Farrow in it. I did actually yeah. have something to add about demons. I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> did uh, Did anybody else? see a correlation between demons and evil dead other than me because by the time the main character who looks like jensen ackles italian father gets hold of that motorcycle i mean it's pretty much just yeah that's that's fucking italian ash this is evil dead in the theater only better (laughs) there's that uh that fight to the the death, um, all weaponized kind of thing. I can see that. Nice yeah. connection. That's a good. That makes for a good double feature. Probably best with people that too, because yeah. of the, yeah. the 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 action. That that's more action packed with the less you know yeah. the first one. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that would be like demons. No, oh, that would be a killer double feature. But I would actually add Cemetery Man as the third one because I actually always think that Demons and Cemetery Man should almost be played together. Uh, <laughs> so, but then again, well, any of those I films can see that. Why not? Because the last line of the movie in Demons is, you know, the the prophecy or whatever from the movie, which is, you know, that your your cities will become cemeteries. And basically, that's what Cemetery Man was. I mean, it was a takeover of dead things. Well, it was the beginning of the apocalypse. It was just starting. Yeah. I mean, the, the the zombies are not coming up in droves. They're coming up, and here's one, here's one, there's another. You know, they're kind of surprise yeah. zombies. <laughs> and, <laughs> and with Cemetery Man, it's almost like this is the last human civilization, since by the end of it, they find out, you know, they're alone. <laughs> And Cemetery Man so, is based off a comic book too. It's a it's got the roots in the the comic series Dylan Dog, which was turned into a movie. So if you like Cemetery Man, you can watch Dylan Dog, which I hate, and try to draw your own connection there. Uh, but I find uh, Cemetery Man to be the better movie anyway. But some uh, people really like it. I the of the story, and you can go pick up the Dylan Dog comic, which is actually beautiful. Um, but that's, oh, is this the one that has Brandon Ralph in it? Hmm? Is this the one that had Brandon Ralph in it? Yeah, that's it. It's so. exactly it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll watch and it John, just for him. And Josh Hutch- sexy motherfucker. Well, and Josh Hutchinson is also in it, who is the wolf in the American version of Being Human, and he's a really good actor, but the move, the script is just flat. It doesn't work. The, the comic is excellent. Uh, and yeah, and Cemetery Man. And I also want to give a shout out. I'm currently reading the Scarlet Gospels by Clive Barker, and if you read nice. it, it's like it's Me like if, if Dylan Dog met the Cenobites. It really is. So I, I you check that out. It's like this action packed uh, private eye, but there's torture and sex. So you know, right. uh, typical Clive Barker. So uh, check that out, um, Chris. I want to. We're about to finish up this talk because I got to go into a fuck ton of stuff on the community calendar tonight. Please Can I, tell me about your projects. 
because I know you have a couple of things you are selling at Italian Splatterfest. And also, I want to give a shout-out to the owner of Shorty Sundown uh, Sunflower Cafe. He called in before the show to give us a thanks for uh, plugging his, uh, his, his VIP pass for the Italian Splatterfest. Nice. So if you could give a plug and talk about that a little bit and the, the pricing on Italian Splatterfest. It hasn't sold out, folks. Please come. You'll meet myself. You'll meet James. You'll meet Chris Golofalo, and a bunch of other of our geek friends will be there as well. So take it, Chris. Give us a little bit of a cap of what it's going to be like to visit Italian Splatterfest this weekend. Well, you're going to see a lot of uh, diverse items from us. First of all, you're going to have uh, first ever vomit bag design. I've never done one. Um, I actually had a friend of mine over at Studio House Designs, Cody, uh, Cody Ryan Brown, actually used real blood dried on a piece of paper to mix the ink color to get the color accurate. So when you see them up close, it looks like real red dried blood. Um, they're really gross looking. I'm super psyched on the way they look. Uh, they're going to be available. There's a limited number. Uh, I think 60 of them we got. They're going to be available throughout the whole night. Um, some giveaways we're going to do. I'm going to bring a few uh, T-shirts with me, a couple of back prints. I'm going to bring some of the prints to past uh, colonial screenings for everybody because the whole thing is one big film fest. So we're going to have a pretty big crowd there. There's going to be a lot of people coming out from a, you know, for different reasons, so it's very diverse. Uh, you see a huge crowd of people for different reasons, and uh, it's just good to like talk to everybody and meet everybody as far as people coming through. And you see some old friends as the first-timers, and it's, it's such a cool environment. But um, we're going to be set up in the lobby in the beginning and in between films, probably to the bitter end until next morning when it's time for pancakes. And then, uh, you know, we'll be on our way as far as that goes. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the bags go over because it's the first time I've ever done a vomit bag. And if it goes over pretty well, it will not be the last time. I certainly would love to do one for other films that are, you know, vomit-inducing, which is always fun. But um, sure, I'm putting to... together a, a really nice package for a uh, for VIP tickets where they're actually going to be available for you to basically almost have like a, a section structured meals throughout the night. They're going to get you a VIP ticket that I think is 50 or $55 where you get a full-on like menu. Like it's kind of like a this is this part, you get this in the second phase, you get a second phase, you get snacks. Um, I've not had anything from them yet, so I'm looking forward to trying some of their stuff. But uh, it's a pretty solid deal considering what you're, you know, what you're going to get for that time period as far as being in the theater from like, the beginning to the end. So um, they're really excited about being able to kind of, you know, almost almost sort of hand cater the event, which is really cool. But um, I can't wait. Splatterfest is always so much fun. Like last year was such a blast. Um, and this year, more films that are different and their teams together are nice. And I'm just really excited to be able to be like, I think it's our third Splatterfest to be have a hand in it. It's like a tradition now. So I'm excited. I'm glad, I'm glad you're coming out. You're a blast. I'm glad I'm too, and uh, I actually happened to collect bark bags. Matter of fact, I was going through my things, and I found my bark bag collection today, coincidentally. Excellent. Uh, inclu Excellent. <laughs> included in that is a copy of my original Sick and Twisted, Mike and Dwight's Sick and Twisted Cartoon Festival from the 90s, and I also have a Desperate Living bark bag from John Waters. So, uh, nice. you know, so I've got... I've got a, so this will go right in with those, and uh, so I'll probably pick one of those up. Awesome! And thank you for being on the show, Chris. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, are you going to work any vendors or conventions in the next few weeks? You want to plug out? I'm going to be attending Cinema Wasteland in the first week of October. Love the show. Still trying to vend it, but there's a little bit of a waiting list. 
Uh, love the show. It's something that if you get a chance to go out to, it's it's, it's an incredible vibe. Like it's a family vibe. It's almost like you meet people and immediately you're cool with them. It's like super fast how how many friends you make and like almost doing nothing. And um, it's real old school. Like it's a small show you can navigate it. They, they screen films constantly. I mean, last year they had a uh, Day of the Dead reunion. This year they're having a Texas Chainsaw Three reunion. So I'm beyond excited for that. Um, and then I'll be attending Chiller at the end of the month just you know get out for the day, a couple of days, see what that's about. But um, next one I'm working Which on. Which day you going to Chiller? What am I doing for Chiller? Um, Which day? Oh yeah, we're staying uh, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to be there Friday. Oh, oh, I always miss yeah. everybody because I always, I always miss people because they always get on Friday and then it's a Saturday and I'm not missing them. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but, I mean, i got to get Paul Sorvino in the stuff cup. Got to get him. <laughs> That's a must. So, I'll be doing that. But uh, I'm excited about it. There's a lot of projects that I'm actually working on right now that until I get to go from the studio, I can't actually fully disclose, which is kind of killing because all I want to do is share them. And uh, actually a project for that's very relevant to the Italian horror genre that I can't say anything else on that unfortunately is also killing me because I would love to share it, but you know, I can't, I'm not at liberty to do so as of yet, <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. All right. All right. I'll let you off the hook on that, but uh, thank I you know. for calling in Chris as always. And I can't wait to see you this weekend and save Absolutely. me a spot I'm at the buffet you. table. And uh, so uh Come back at any time, and so uh, have a good evening. And thank you once again. Keep it, Thanks. keep the horror happening. So. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I'll see you guys. All right. Bye. Say goodbye, ladies. Bye. All right. <laughs> hey. Well, thank you. 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 Was we were talking mm-hmm. about how a lot of artists have sampled Goblin, and we were also talking about demons. Well, there's this one uh, when the demons really start coming to life and coming after them, and the really badass scene. I mean, by the time he grabbed the motorcycle and started slashing shit with the sword, I was like, "Yes, I love this movie. It is in my top ten now." <laughs> um, kind of like almost typewriter sound, like a clicking. And then, like, uh, this little noise. But immediately, as soon as it started, I was like, that's the beginning to head like a hole. Nine-inch nails. That, and, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Another one you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's in a cage, and there's, like, these rabid fans yeah. and stuff, like, all surrounding him. And that's exactly what it's like by the end of the movie, where they're, like, surrounded by a cage, and all the, zomb- the demon zombie things are, like, all surrounded. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Trent Reznor was very influenced by this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, indeed, and I actually have it under your under your voice right now as we speak. So I was able to plug it in tonight. Hooray! I didn't want right. to say it tonight on the show. So well, you introduce the community right. calendar with it. Oh, and we're starting the community calendar with it. So we're going to take a break from Italian horror. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to our conversation on that. But we have a lot to talk about, and I'm keeping James on just for a couple more minutes, and then I've got to let him go, too. But I want... I wanted to start tonight's uh, community calendar with a streaming drop that happened midnight last night. James is a contributor to this, and we thank James for making our lives better. Please, James, would you talk about Vinegar Syndrome and Exploitation TV? Oh, Exploitation TV. 
Uh, uh, TV. Time. This is time a beautiful thing. Okay, so, so we got vinegar syndrome, and these guys started a boutique label, and they've been distributing things, you know, DVDs, Blu-rays, and they've had some online content, but not a whole lot. I mean, you could get some exclusive stuff that wasn't on DVD and Blu-ray. Well, they jumped that gap, and originally it was going to be Vinegar Syndrome TV, and they start this Indiegogo campaign and say, all right, we need $50,000. If we get $50,000, we can make this happen. They get $72,000, so they did really well. And they, before that, they put up, I think it was over 200 movies, they were saying, a mixture of porn and filth and horror and exploitation in every subgenre of exploitation that you could want. It's basically an education. It is your online class in what it means to have lived in the 70s in grimy New York and through some of the most fantastic era, era in, in filmmaking, actual filmmaking. Not, you know, this this new thing where we, we use digital cameras. A, a lot of it's from film. The restoration efforts are always a plus, and even when they're not um, even when they're not restoring to their HD quality, they're leaving in place that kind of glitchy, grimy, grindhouse, scratched up, but very clean look that we, like, enjoy. You know, things that, when you watch that movie Grindhouse, right, with Tarantino and Rodriguez, the things that you like about that, the scratchiness, you know, mm-hmm. the, the worn look. That's what they have for real. So that's what Exploitation TV is. It's something to get into. Uh, the best way to probably handle it right now, go pick up a Roku. In fact, I picked up a Roku today because my year subscription started today, and I have to watch it. Hooray! And I can watch it. Yeah, you can watch it on your computer, I'm sure, but I want to watch it on my TV, and I want to be cool and own the Roku device. So I did that. So that's, uh, All right. Cool. Don't forget to up. Don't forget to upload the Shout Factory channel and the Grindhouse channel while you're at it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Those guys yeah. are great too. Every uh, seriously, lots of love for you know the people that are crossing over, doing both the physical media and the digital to help everybody see good movies. Exactly. So awesome, awesome is that. So James, thank you. Please talk about any anything you want to plug before you leave. You know what? I got some. There's only one thing, and that that is this: that in October, uh, horror sex. You know, we have our podcast, and we go through SoundCloud. Well, we're going to be uploading mm-hmm. some pretty cool stuff, some definitely some interesting mixes that people are going to want to enjoy. I'm a huge fan of mixtapes. I've been listening to them forever, and especially on SoundCloud, which has got a great selection from everyone, from Death Waltz to Mondo to uh, Evil 9, a bunch of really good people making mixtapes. I'm trying my hand at several of them for the month of October to celebrate our favorite holiday. Yay! So, well, definitely yeah, so that'll you want to check our, in with those. Yep, yeah, it'll be on our SoundCloud page. You just search Par Sexy, one word, and you get there. And they're all free. Um, I believe you'll be able to download them, if not just stream them. And uh, they should be about an hour long. And they will be uh, things you want to hear, songs you want to hear, and they will be paying tribute to the people and movies that you love. Well, that's, that's fabulous. It. And, James, you're always a great guest host. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, we'll have you – I'm sure we're going to have you around. The madness is upon us, as you know. So I'm sure you're going to be floating around on my Facebook pages occasionally as well. So oh, thank I've you got, again. I'll, I'll be part of that. I love madness. Love it. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Did that you say you love men as well? No, madness. <laughs> I, I do like men. I've met, but many of my favorite people are men. 
I hope I hope we're some of your favorite people too. I want to be a sexy witch. That's my goal. You are. I introduced you you as a sexy witch tonight. Yeah. You are. You are Julius. You are Julian Sands. Okay. Dude, I cast plenty of circles. I know how to call a couple corners. I'm. You know, I can do corners. I can do. You know, some points. I have a knife somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can invoke something. I can offer up a sacrifice in the form of food, representing the food, whatever. I can do all this stuff. Dude, I read Buckland's. Come on. Oh, you know, it's all good. You don't have to be sexy or a witch to be a sexy witch. So just remember that. It's a mindset, not a lifestyle. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, James. We're going to let you go. I got a lot to talk about. We got to keep all going. Right. If you want to listen, please do so. So have a good one and much love to you. Later, guys. Bye, James. Later. Always a pleasure to have James Harris on the air, and uh, he's probably going to head off to his own podcast and do it in a few minutes. He's never, ever stopped, and I'm really surprised he ever gets any sleep, to be honest with you. But uh, we're really glad he was with us again today. And uh, so we're going to go right into this because we have a shit ton to talk about. I mean, uh, first of all, I'm only going to show out first one theatrical release to Sexy Witches, and tonight it's The Visit. And I, I I keep reading good reviews of this movie, but I'll be honest with you, I'm hesitant because, you know, it's directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who has not really had a great track record as of recently. Um, I think what do you mm-hmm. ladies feel about it? I think he gets a lot of crap simply because, like, the very first movie he ever came out with that people really paid attention to was Sixth Sense. And it had such a twist ending, and it was so widely known, people who did not even like the horror genre when saw that movie, uh, that when he wanted to do other things, that other people started dissing him. Oh, why isn't it as awesome as, as this? But I loved Devils. I thought it was just, oh my gosh, it was incredible. Uh, it, I figured out who the devil was right before it popped up. But I mean, literally, you're just trying to figure out, oh my God, who's the fucking devil? And, I mean, there's so much to it that's just, I really enjoyed it. And I have liked some of his newer movies. Um, So I'm definitely willing to give it a chance, especially it looks terrifying. Uh, What's interesting about this film is that actually he self-finesafed it because, you know, people don't have any faith in it anymore. And he shot it in his own home in Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, there's some interest because of that. Uh, you know, he, like I said, he's hit and miss for me. Uh, how do you feel about it, Queenie? Are you uh, in with the Shyamalan or thing. out? You about uh, the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit and miss. Like, when I, he did I, the Avatar, I don't ever. The first <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I love the like cartoon Avatar, the Last Airbender, <laughs> and his take uh, on well, it. My daughter and I love ridiculous. that. He he did it all wrong. I saw that at the drive-in. Well, they did. He did actually, because we've my daughter and I have watched uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender at least three times together. Plus, she has uh, The Last Airbender. Um, I don't think he did as bad a job as people say. I think they give him way too much crap on that because I think it actually does follow fairly faithfully, especially some of the scenes or or what the scenes were supposed to represent, at least um, a large part of airbender 
I don't agree with you. Well, but you know, I still love you. <laughs> I love you too. All right, so the jury's out on the visit. We it may or may not. I might take one for the team and go see it tomorrow. I'm debating between going to see that or the Amy Winehouse documentary, which is playing downtown in Silver Spring. So one of those two films no, will be watched by me tomorrow. Yeah, well, but Amy Whitehouse is a Halloween story onto her own self. So, you know, yeah, it's still counts. Yeah. But, but so, if, if you put uh, a documentary in front of my face or horror, I'm going to go see the horror in theater. Yeah, horror, sci-fi, action. Anything else can wait until DVD. Well, it depends. It's at the AFI in Silver Spring, which is a really nice theater. So it's worth seeing documentaries Ooh. there, too. But, um. So um, now before we get into the instant stuff, I wanted to go quick shout out to some world politics because, uh, you know, we always try to cover the major women's issues on the show, at least for a second. And this morning, Pope Francis uh, says that he's allowing for the whole year uh, women to who contrite women to go to priests and get pardons for their abortions. Um, there was other ways to do it in the Catholic space, but never with an actual priest before. You had to get a special, I, I don't know the doctrine, but there was something special you had to do to get an abortion forgiven. Now, we're not going to go into the question if actually people need to be forgiven for their abortions. <clears throat> uh, that's not what this is about. But I, I do want to say this is a big deal because, first of all, I don't think a pope has ever said anything like this before in my memory. And he is the cool pope after all. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of women that this does matter to. And, and I mean, millions of women, uh, thousands at least. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, there's uh, so it's actually kind of a big deal. And ladies, what do you think about this? How do you feel about it? I think it's a step Queen. in the right direction. Yep. Yeah. Some baby steps, right? You know, you know, it, 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 it never made any sense to me why an abortion would be worse than a murdering a human, uh, a real human. You could be pardoned for killing somebody. But you're not. You couldn't. You end up in the lake of fire for abortion. And I always thought that was pretty hypocritical. So at least for the time being, that hypocrisy is put aside. But that's all I'm going to say right now. So go ahead. Especially, well, the thing that kills me about the, that with the Catholic Church, anyway, not necessarily say some of the more Protestant churches, because in a Protestant church, um, a baby is considered innocent life. But in Catholic Church, you're supposedly born with original sin. You're a sinner from the moment you're conceived. Um, and you have to be baptized in order for that sin to be washed away. So I don't see what they get up in arms of, about that. It's not like well, you know, life. This isn't about doctrine. I'm not going to get that's a different show. We can save that for the sexy witch episode of Halloween. Uh, but um, it's just like no, I'm just, I'm just saying from that perspective. Women. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I agree that we should talk about it. I'm just saying, you know, I, I just wanted to point it out that this actually happened and it was kind of a big deal. But, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. It's a much complicated issue than our show and heavier issue than our show really is about. So, But I did want to mention it. No, uh, about so, uh Yeah, so now back to the fun. Instant Netflix is dropping some sh- Great titles. I mean, if you look at the September 1st, it was so many. I almost couldn't find any that I was looking for. Uh, But I did find a couple that stood out. First of all, the restored version of the 1962 uh, film Lawrence of Arabia Arabia with Peter O'Toole dropped. 
on instant Netflix, which is pretty awesome. If you've never seen that film in an HD, oh my God, it is one of the most brilliant epic movies and Peter O'Toole is gorgeous. He's such a doll in this movie and it's about Ned Lawrence and it's a great history lesson even if it is not quite accurate kind of over the top. I totally recommend Lawrence of Arabia. And then two cult favorites ladies. One of them is my personal favorite cult film, Masters of the Universe from 1987 and that's because there's a sexy witch in it Meg Foster Uh, and she's in our sexy witch gallery. I love that movie. I know, I know it's terrible, Dolph Lundgren, but uh, <laughs> Billy Barty is such a fun film. Uh, yeah, I love anything I just, Dolph really, is in. Yeah, and, and streaming it, it's definitely worth a stream, folks. If you've never seen this silly meta, it's kind of a meta film in its own way. It's winking at the camera most of the movie, and uh, so check it out. And then finally, for the first time ever, for a long time, this film was really hard to get, and now you can get it on instant. 1987, Fred Deckard's Monster Squad is finally going to be on instant Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, right in time for the fucking madness. We get Monster Squad, and classic movie, a lot of fun, classic horror monsters. The Wolfman has stars. You know, for a long time, it was hard to get Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps, and now we have both equally available. Yay for the internet! So um, now, don't forget Hulu. Uh, well, we're gonna get to Hulu in a minute. I, I actually go to Hannibal. Right, I was gonna talk about Amazon Prime for a minute. And Amazon Prime only has two things. First of all, another witch movie, The Blair Witch Project, drops on instant. Um, the other one is the, t- is the t- movie I really detested, but since it's horror, I thought I'd mention it. It's the prequel, the prequel to Hannibal Rising. Hannibal Rising, the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Sucks total balls, uh, but it's there. And if you want to watch a movie about cannibals and Nazis or whatever they are, I have no idea. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> but if you if you're a completist and want to see the all of the you know Hannibal yeah, movies, yeah. there you go. So <laughs> anyone doesn't like, I have no idea what that is. There's a lot of noise and no voices. Y'all there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, well. Uh, I'm in the silent room. Ah, Queenie's. Oh, there she is. Okay, cool. Hulu, as as, uh, Aaron was so excited about, is dropping demons on the third. So right before Italian Splatterfest, the original demons going to instant. So check it out. Roberto Barba, lots of fun. Uh, great film, scratchy, scratchy, violent, violent, and like we already talked about it, so awesome. Uh, the other one is Wes Craven, one of Wes Craven's film drops. Yeah, uh, Don't Look Now drops on instant on uh, and the third as well. And on the fourth is Bill Murray's film St. Visit, so look for those on Hulu. Um, I'm going to keep moving on. Um, the uh, Mad Max Fury Road is our big DVD release of the week. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as mm-hmm. Sexy Witches here are a huge fan of this movie. I am not as much as, as Queenie. Queenie fucking loves this movie. Uh, and, and it is fun. It is based, basically what the Honest Trailer said it about being Mario Kart. I totally agree with. <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely. It's, but it's a it's a it's a art director's wet dream. So and the cosplay from that has been the best. 
So I, you know, if you haven't seen Fury Road, no more excuses. It's on DVD now. Um, Star Wars Rebels season one also drops, which is actually pretty fucking good. I actually like the Rebels series quite a bit. So and and it it really fits into the canon just fine. Uh, so I highly recommend so Star Wars Rebels. Recommend- but go ahead. I think the echoes on your end. It might be. I'm, I hope I don't have to hang up again. I had a problem with my headset last night, too. Um, am I coming in okay? Yeah, there's just like a little echo. I think it's just coming from your side. Uh, so it's not one of us trying uh, to talk. It's <laughs> okay. Well, who knows? I, I, the sound on this show has always been a question. Uh, Boulevard, oh, let's keep going, is, is Robin Williams' last film, and it dropped also on, on Blu-ray today. Um, and then a documentary called Dark Star, which is about H.R. Giger, also dropped on Blu-ray. And two horror films that have no idea if they're any good or not, but because they're on the list, I thought I'd mention them, Lost After Dark and The Army of Frankenstein's sounds totally campy, totally fun. So check those out. Another odd thing, Game of Thrones Season 5 didn't drop on DVD, but drops on digital formats today, five months before the physical release of the, of the DVD. So if you want to buy Game of Thrones now, you uh, Season 5, you can do it. So... There, there you go. Game of Thrones already out. Uh, and uh, is and, there any uh, other DVDs? Go ahead. That was you again, sweetie. <laughs> I hear uh, this segment is slowly dying, everybody. Uh, let's try some music. <laughs> we, need, we need some music. Let's Hang put some music on because this is just... Uh, here, let's move... There we go. I got some music going on. We need some happy music. Let's see. Okay. Well, anyway, we're going to keep going. Uh, There's a couple of podcasting social media things we need to talk about. Uh, One is Dollar Bin Horror Radio. My friends Eric and Rhonda premiered their new new season on September 10th at 7 p.m. And they actually lead into my horror contest, which will be on their next episode after that. Um, on the 17th, which is The Madness, the ma- Halloween horror movie marathon madness, Descent into Darkness. Uh, for people that don't don't know, uh, I run a horror movie contest every October. It's open to a pool of people on Facebook group, and 35 or so of those people volunteer to attend The Madness. Nobody wins a prize. It's all bragging rights, but you can watch as many fucking horror films as you can and reign supreme over your friends and peers. And so I highly recommend it. So, because it's not just my show, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and Queenie is my head co judge this year. Aaron's going to be a contestant, more than likely. Uh, it's oh, going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, Especially since we're going to Exhumed. Oh, yes. Since we're going to Exhumed, we're going to actually rack up some points. But don't forget, the Dollar Bin Horror Radio premieres on September 10th at 7. And I will read the rules live on on the show before the, the, the official drop of the rules on the 21st on the 17th at 7. So remember that. 17th, uh, September 7th, I'll read the rules live and explain how to play the madness. So, uh, Now, I'm not going to talk about most of these. Go ahead. Who's there? See, I keep hearing myself. <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay. I, it's so weird. Okay. So, media conventions. We got 
four major conventions this weekend. I'm only going to talk about one, but I'll briefly read the others. Dragon Con in Atlanta, of course, is the biggest one, and it's, it's, it's happening this weekend. It's it's fantasy cosplay. It's huge. Uh, you know, um, Scarathon in Verona, uh, New York, and we also have New uh, on the 11th, and we have Newark Comic Con on the 12th. But the real big one, the elephant in the room, is on the 13th, and that is the Warriors reunion at Coney Island media convention. There'll be tables just like any other convention. Meet the cast of the Warriors. They're gonna have a screening at Coney Island. Really? Once in a lifetime, folks. Check it out. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. This is absolutely is this? real. I will post the information on the on our our Facebook page because it's when a big this? big deal. So, and uh, what day is that? That is the thirteenth. So, uh, so, um, but there's also a few more film festivals and screenings, of course. Um, one of them, of course, is Drive-In Monsterama in the Riverside Theater. I wanted to talk about that real quick. First of all. Hello, Deep Red. <laughs> now we can hear the music. Uh, Drive-In Monsterama is in Riverside Drive-In. It's in Vandegrift, Pennsylvania. Uh, and they're having a whole weekend of nothing but bad horror films. You could buy, you could buy a single-day ticket or a camping ticket. Uh, Friday night, they're showing Pit and the Pendulum, Mask of the Red Death, the Tomb of Ligeria, The Haunted Palace, and Saturday night they're showing Horror of Dracula, Dracula is Risen from the Grave, there's Vampire Killers, and Son of Dracula. Great fucking lineup for the drive-in movie theater in uh, Vandergrift, Pennsylvania, at the Riverside Drive-In. So uh, check that out. Uh, and there's two tours uh, happening for special screenings with ladies. One of them is Turbo Kid which has been killing it on the independent circuit. It started going on tour in the United States and in Canada last week on my birthday. It's been described as Mad Max on BMX bikes. It's also available on VOD, ladies. So if you have a VOD, you can watch this movie. Uh, And it's on tour, uh, definitely the the hot in film of the year. There's always one film like that, so please go see Turbo Kid. And last but not least, ladies, Going back to the inter- uh, Italian horror on uh, my birthday as well, starting, uh, lastly, starting on the 14th, um, Eli Roth is going to have a thank you to his fans, and he's going to take the Green Inferno tour on the road. Uh, the premiere of the theatrical release is on the 25th, but starting on the 14th, he'll be in San Francisco, Los Angeles on the 15th, Miami in the 17th, New York on the 21st. And uh, supposedly he's going to add more dates to that. So, I hope uh, so. If you want to see... If you want to see meet Eli Roth and go see Green Inferno, there's a chance. If you don't want to meet him and want to wait, you can wait till the 25th. But either way, Queenie, got to go see yeah. the Green Inferno. We didn't talk much to. about cannibal yeah. films today. Uh, so, uh, you know... We'll, we'll save cannibals for another other episode of Sexy Witches because, you know, Italian horror films and cannibal films go together like bologna sandwiches and Oreo cookies, you know. Yep. So, uh, so uh, we, we love all that stuff, and we made it through the calendar, folks. That's my last entry of the night. Do you guys have any final words you want to say before we sign off? I would, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the date. I know that the um, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival is coming up in Portland. I think it's like the end of this month. I can't remember the exact date, though. Cause... 
Okay, uh, well, I will look that up. Here. <laughs> absolutely, so absolutely. Nice. I can put it up on the Sexy Witches page. And, of course, Living Dead Con so, is in November. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely get a definitely preview and a recap on that uh, on that event. And uh, what about you, Erin? Any last final words of the night? Not really. I've really enjoyed this conversation, number one, because this is the first one I've really, really, other than the Marvel, the one I've been able to uh, pay in the most, I think. Well, I'm so, glad that you could finally get yeah, yeah, it season. in. Hell yeah. Welcome to the busy season, ladies and gentlemen. And the Sexy Witches will come back in two weeks on the 15th. That's Tuesday, September 15th at 9. And we will be talking about the Halloween season, that episode, because we are going to talk about seasonal walkthroughs and Halloween events across the nation. We'll have a guest, our guest host that night will be Nathan Hamilton, the son of celluloid, who works at the Netherworld Haunted uh, haunted Attraction in Atlanta on a regular basis. And we'll also have a special call-in from a traveling troupe in Virginia called the Ren Bain Army, which I met at Scares That Cares this, week, uh, uh, this summer. So we'll have a great conversation about dark rides and walkthroughs and some Halloween events. Because at that point, I go on hiatus. Sexy Witches will take a break until the 27th of October, which will return with our huge October Halloween episode on the 27th, folks. This is an all-star episode. I have a shit ton of people calling in. Everybody you could possibly think of, it will be an all-star lineup, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll talk about that a little closer. But I don't leave the web because, once again, on Dollar Bin Horror Radio, which is my friend Eric and Rhonda's uh, uh, blog, I'll be talking about the madness. So listen to me there. And I'll read the rules once again on the 17th. Rule post for the madness is on the 21st. So remember that, folks. If you want to be part of the madness, join my group, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness on Facebook. Friend us there, and you can have a chance to get one of the slots. Right now there's about 35, 40 slots available for the madness, but the more people there are, the more chance there is that more people can be on the uh, be in the madness. So please think about joining and ladies once again thank you for being on the show and we'll come back in two weeks and talk about this and so good film hunting and blessed be we're going to leave ourselves with a little bit of gonk so have a good evening ladies good night night
avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. Only a movie.